0: blog talk radio welcome to the 321 white collar pros on blog talk radio my name is clarence rick napier ceo of 321 biz dev llc located in sacramento county california the white collar pros show brings a combination of sales systems and business development services to attorneys cpas dentists plastic surgeons insurance brokers and real estate brokers in any country where the English language is spoken. These shows will provide some background information in the world of professional selling. If you are a white-collar small business owner and this show addresses a concern or situation that you are going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at Country Code 1-415-515-6760 to see if 321BizDev LLC can help you find a winning solution. Please subscribe to this Blog Talk radio show, and business owners can also find 82 hours of business content on my website at 321BizDev.com under the podcast link. Please call me if you want to include a 60-second promo featuring your business on a show. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Visit our website at 321bizdev.com slash services to complete a questionnaire to begin the consultative process. We hope you enjoy today's show. Make it a great day. Good morning to listeners in California and good afternoon to people on the East Coast. And if you're listening to this broadcast from around the world, you know what time it is in your country. My name is Rick Napier, CEO 321 BizDev LLC, and uh, today's uh, blog talk radio topic is titled Why Poor Sales Leadership Stresses Out Salespeople. And uh, for for those who may – not have been in sales, but this show is for salespeople, and uh, this show is for sales leadership, uh, business owners, sales managers uh, who have uh, you know agents or, or, or account executives that report to them. So this uh, blog talk radio show is for white-collar small business owners, uh, small business owners that are selling uh, products that start at $1,000 and up… You know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty-five thousand, or if your sales reps make like one thousand, five thousand, twenty-five thousand dollars on commissions, uh, this show is about that. So, the reason why I posted this, or the reason why I am um, doing this broadcast today, and I also have a, I also have a, a podcast. So, when I said post, I also have a podcast. … where I have 82 hours of content just like this, but I want it to go live so that people can call in and communicate what their current situation is or what their experiences you know, are with sales. And if you are a salesperson and you want to talk about the current experience that you're having with leadership, please call in. If you are a sales manager or you are the business owner who is responsible for leading your team to success, uh, please call in. And that number is 516-387-1745, and lines are open. So like I said, I I wanted to do this show just to uh, highlight some of the issues involved with poor sales leadership and how it stresses out salespeople. Now, when I use that word... That word poor, it's not a, a word that I want to uh, um, label people as being uh, not interested in, in providing strong leadership. Uh, poor contrasts with strong, and poor in the context of this broadcast means that something is missing. So it's not poor in terms of you know jabbing a salesman or jabbing a business owner for not doing a good job. It's just a measurement… Uh, like an evaluation tool. You can have strong, you can have average, and you can have poor. So it's not a personal attack on any sales manager or any uh, person that owns a business who is responsible for leading the team. So I just wanted to get that out because the show's uh, intent is to help people get better. And if I didn't have any solutions to help – sales managers, and business owners who lead teams of people who you know go out and prospect and contact and close and, and market and sell products and services, I wouldn't do this show. And the entire 321BizDev sales system is about helping salespeople get better. So I just wanted to put that out there as a disclaimer. And I want people to relax, open to listening, number one, what the current experience is for salespeople, and how sales managers and business owners can do a better job. And you know, three, two, one BizDev LLC can help you know white collar business owners who uh, market big ticket items, you know, thousand dollars, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars and up. You know, improve sales productivity and sales performance. So, got that out of the way. Again, no hard feelings. So let's talk about this, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because when I was in corporate America, I used to be an operations manager. And I used to I used to tag team with our elite sales team that sold health insurance uh, throughout California, and they sold to large companies and some of the largest companies in California. Um, and, you know, I already mentioned on a previous podcast who some of those companies are, so I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, Please listen to the uh, previous podcast uh, on March 2nd. So I was tag teaming as an operations manager, and my job was to speak for the last 20 minutes uh, to talk about what that client had just bought. So the clients were 10,000 – the client had 10,000 employees, 25,000 employees, sometimes 50,000 employees, and the premiums, the health insurance premiums that were paid by these companies were anywhere from $50,000 a month up to, uh, at that time, $300,000 a month. And then when I got into sales, my largest account was $425,000 per month uh, for about 35,000 employees. I'm sorry, 350,000 employees. Guys, that that was (laughs) – so anyway, so I was tag-teaming with the sales team, and they would say, Rick… You know, Rick is our operations manager. He's the account services rep, and he's also uh, half of the customer service team. So when big companies would buy health insurance in California, you know, our, our the Los Angeles office would would tag team with the sales department and talk to the company leadership, the people who had just purchased health insurance uh, for their employees. So I had 20 minutes to talk to, to them about how you know the the process would would, would roll out with, with their new with their company having our health insurance company as a vendor. So I would talk about a lot of things like things such as you know when things start with a company sometimes there are some hiccups and if the client experienced any hiccup, not to call the regular customer service number, because a lot of times uh, a new client would not totally be uh up and up and up in, up in the, uh, the, the a new client would not be totally you know in our system yet. And sometimes it would take 72 hours and the customer service reps would have to learn what that employer purchased for health insurance. So we had a special number and it was my number that they had to call to hear about, you know, so we could learn about what their experiences were. So, so a lot of times the uh, employees at that company would not totally understand their, their benefit program, so they would call and you know ask questions or sometimes get the correct interpretation of their benefit packages. And I see you out there, 513 area code. I will call you – I will get – I will connect you in a few minutes. So my job was to explain things, and when I saw the sales team – when I saw the sales team in action, I said to myself, man, I want to do that. Because that was a high profile position. That was a high profile position because you know these employers are writing checks for you know, you know, uh sometimes uh let's say five million dollars, ten million dollars per year. And that was sometimes one client. So you know our company we had about a hundred clients like that. So I want to get I want to take this call and let the caller uh say a few words or ask a question. So here we go, caller in the 513 area code. What's going on? This is Lamar. Hey, what's up, Lamar? Hello? Oh, hey. Uh, I just want to – I'm actually I'm a, a car salesman in New York, uh, upstate New York, and I definitely identify with uh, what you've been saying on poor leadership with, uh, um, you know, just stressing out the sales team. Recently, my boss tried sucking my cock, and it really just freaked me out. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sell as many cars as I can, you know, with him trying to suck my cock. Okay, thank you, Lamar. I'm going to leave that on the air too, just to let people know the the diversity of sales. But anyway, I don't believe you. But anyway, are have you going to suck my? So anyway, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave that recording on the clip, just to let people know that you know, a lot of times there's just you know, freaky people that call. And uh people who are not serious about sales. And so I'm gonna leave that recording on I'm not gonna delete it, I'm gonna let people hear it. Because sales is a serious profession, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that that look down on salespeople, but salespeople are the ones that, that drive the economy. If you ha- if you work at a company, I'm talking about either a small business or a medium sized business, so that means any small business and The sales department is not doing their job, and a lot of times it's for uh, poor sales leadership, then guess what? All the employees suffer. If the sales department is not doing their jobs, if the sales management team is not helping the sales rep increase productivity and performance, then guess what? The person working in accounting may get laid off the customer service reps may get laid off, the computer tech may get laid off. So I just want to let listeners know that the sales department, you know, at you know small, medium, large size companies are very very important. So let me get back to the story before <laughs> that I was talking about before Lamar, you know, imparted his wisdom to our listening audience. So anyway, so looking at that that what the sales department was doing, Man, I was like my juices were flowing. I said to myself, man, I want to do that. I want to do that so bad, and I don't know what the draw was, but I said to myself, I want to do that so bad. So one day at work, I saw this posting, and it was from the you know group sales, like corporate sales, and I said, my gosh, I want to apply for that. So before I completed the paperwork, the the human resources, uh, job requisition, or, or job application process, I called the vice president of sales. Now, I knew who she was. Uh, she may – I think she knew who I was, but we had no uh, you know, conversational back-and-forth dialogue uh, on a regular basis as if she knew me and I knew her, and we talked a lot. So I picked up the phone, and I called her, and I said, Michelle, my name is Rick. I'm the operations manager for you know I I I I do the dog and pony show I called it at that time, and I, I I help close the 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 conversation the presentation with the employers, and she goes oh yeah I know who you are, and I said Michelle interested in that job, I want to be an account executive and work on your sales team, and Michelle said really and you picked up the phone. To call me and tell me that instead of you know completing the the um the the, uh, the job application the the in house job application, I said yes. Michelle said, "What are you doing for lunch?" And I said, "Well, nothing. She goes, Well, come over to the corporate office, which was fifteen miles away from my location, and I want to have lunch with you. So I went to the corporate office, nice office that was about a thousand square foot office. I mean it was shiny, mahogany table. Just everything was was uh, just glitz, and Michelle was a Japanese-American. So for those people saying, hey, there's not a lot of women in, in key positions, uh, Michelle was a Japanese-American. She was so smooth, uh, one of the most respected people I've ever met in corporate America. So met with Michelle, and she said, come on in. She goes, why do you want to apply for this job? And I said, Michelle, because I love the energy. I think I can do it. I can pretty much talk about the product or service already, but most of all, I want to be in front of people and uh, and and help, you know, move this 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 company forward. And I think I would just love the opportunity, you know, the experience of doing it. So she goes, you know what? I'm gonna hire you right now. But first, I'm gonna send you before you get before as you get hired. I'm gonna send you to this this class this corporate selling class to make sure that your skills you know get better and better. So to make a long story short, I went to this eight-day class by by Miller and Hyman. You can look it up, it's Miller, uh, Miller and Hyman, MillerHymanGroup.com Group dot com based in Reno and Denver, Colorado. It was an eight-day corporate sales class. So the point I'm trying to make is when I took that class, I started the job and my territory was from Pasadena, California to Ventura, California. So I had, you know, pretty much the 101 freeway heading heading north. I had um, you know, Glendale, I had the San Fernando Valley. And so when I went down to um over this one guy who quit all of a sudden, he quit. And Michelle said, "Rick, I want you to take Oscar's position. He had everything from Pasadena to Ventura." So to make a long story short because I want to get into the real content, I, was, I met with this client. It was a, a diagnostic uh, radiological ima- imaging company, and uh, it was an existing client. So I went there to introduce myself, and I was walking past this big county building, and I said, let me just go in. I got some brochures. got my business cards, and let me see if I can meet with the benefit officer. And the employer was the Ventura County Employer Group, so the county employer that hires all county employees to manage and take care of Ventura County business. So I went in, left my information, couldn't meet with the benefit officer. Fast forward three weeks later. She said, I want to meet with your team. So I said, great. So Huntington Beach guys came up. I was living physically in Sacramento, working out of the Sacramento office, so I came down, and to make a long story short, the first meeting did not go well. It was just an average meeting. So Michelle said, well, since you found the contact, Rick, you get to go back in two weeks and just to see what the employer wants to do. So I went back, but instead of doing the same thing that our our, our other Huntington Beach guys did, I went in with um, just a, a notepad and a pen. And I said I said Barbara who was the benefit officer at that time, I said, you know, I just want to ask you some questions. We didn't I didn't get a chance to learn much about your company, but I want to ask these questions just to give me some more insight about your company. I guess Barbara thought I was going to do the same dog and pony show as team 1 did. Okay, so team 1 was the premier team out of Huntington Beach, California, and they were you know, kind of like known to be the closers, but they couldn't close. So I went back with just that notepad and a pen. And to make a long story short, I'm leaving a bunch of information. To make a long story short, Barbara said, "Rick, have you had lunch yet?" So here's that question again about lunch, just like Michelle asked me. And I said, "No, I haven't." So she t- we went to Victoria's Mexican restaurant, and before we went to lunch, she was gone for about an hour. And I said, "Well." Well, gee, this is a good way to, say, to tell me no. Just don't show up. Just don't come back to the meeting room with Rick, and Rick will let himself out of the door. But she eventually came back, and she had an envelope uh, like a manila you know, folder with an envelope inside, and she goes, here you go, Rick. And I looked at the envelope, and I opened it up, and it was a signed agreement and a check for $500,000 for two months of health insurance coverage for the county. So I was so jazzed, so to make a long, another long story short, I was hired or promoted to be the territory manager for Southern California. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because Michelle did something that a lot of small business owners and medium-sized business owners and maybe – and not just maybe but definitely a large, a large companies don't do. And what that is is that they – don't invest in their employees in, in terms of you know, people who are selling. Now, small, medium-sized companies may not be able to invest you know, $15,000 per, per sales rep. Large companies can do it with no problem, but the point I want to make is uh, Michelle and the company invested in me to learn how to uh, be a better account executive, to be a better account manager… And it worked, so what I want to talk about now are some of the issues concerning uh, poor sales leadership and what I experienced after I left corporate America now corporate sales is a is a different animal than independent you know uh, attorney law firms independent uh cPA firms you know independent dental practices indep- independent plastic surgery centers. Uh, independent insurance brokers, and just independent real estate uh, brokers. So um, so when, if, let's talk about the insurance business for a while, the, the private sector independent insurance agency, and they're called IMO. They're called insurance marketing organizations, and they're huge. There's a, there's a lot of them. I won't mention their names, but typically how they work is that they recruit agents – Almost like in a, in a matrix-type system. Some people call it a pyramid. It looks like a pyramid, but it's not a pyramid scheme. It's not, a, it's not an illegal scheme. It just has a hierarchy where you have uh, the owner of the company and some directors underneath, and then you have some managers underneath. And then you have all these agents who sign up to uh, sell you know, life insurance services, and so it looks like a pyramid. But you know what? Corporate uh, structures also look like pyramids too. So typically how an independent insurance agent starts, they get recruited by another agent, and the agent says to that prospective new agent who may be licensed or may not be licensed, hey, you want to get rich? Hey, you want to make a lot of money selling insurance? And a lot of people say, yes, I want to check it out. So they go to these meetings, and uh, there's a pitch guy. It's like the owner. It's like the manager. And they talk about some scenarios of how the product works, and they talk about, you know, how much money the agent can make. And agents or prospective agents looking at it may say, "Yes, I want to sign up." So the agent signs up, the agent gets licensed, and the agent begins, you know, working in life insurance sales. But here's the part that's missing. Okay, when new agents come on board, there is no onboarding. To Get them introduced to what sales is. Typically, when people start with independent um, uh, insurance agencies or insurance marketing organizations, they spend about 95% of the time um, getting them introduced to products, getting them introduced to software to learn how to quote life insurance policies. That's like 95%.  … … of the work that's done to get that new person ready to sell, but they're not ready to sell. So three or four months later, the uh, you know the insurance marketing organization says, we're going to all go to Vegas. We're going to all go to San Diego. We're going to go to Dallas. We're going go to go to Atlanta. We're going to Tampa to sit in an arena with all of us together from around the country, and we're going to hear… About the people who have made it in the business, and you will learn and you will see that you can make it too. So people buy the uh, you know the seven hundred dollar round trip tickets, and they spend five hundred dollars in a in a local hotel and have some expenses, and they go to these meetings and they return from these meetings, and their sales skills don't improve. And the reason why their sales skills do not improve. Is because they were never taught a sales system. Okay, they, they are never taught a sales system. So the people that they see on stage who have won the awards, it's not. It sometimes it's not connected to the to the fact they learned how to be successful salespeople through product knowledge only. A lot of times, the people who are on stage had previous. Sales experience that they brought from another occupation. And sometimes that occupation was they worked in sales at a, in, on the corporate level, or they worked as a customer service uh, people in a, in, on a nine to five job, or they had great people skills from some type of previous job. So when they walked into the uh, independent insurance industry, with the independent, with the insurance marketing organization, they just walked in and, and just continued doing what they do. What they do. So what you have is a, you have a large uh, percentage of turnover in the insurance business, and the number is as high as 75, 80 percent of people who start the independent insurance business who quit or they don't make any money, and their licenses labs. And they don't sell to anybody, and it's because the leadership does not offer uh, independent life insurance agents any type of sales system training. And that said, I, I recall a nurse who uh, talked to me about, uh, about sales system training, and I, I was, uh, and I was an agent before, and I had a long story about why I'm not an agent, but I'm getting back in the business in a couple of months. So I learned a tough lesson when I was an agent about if you don't have a great sales system, uh, it's going to be tough to make money in any industry, but especially the life insurance industry because that's one of the toughest products to sell if you don't have a sales system. Now, if you do have a sales system and you use it selling life insurance policies, the life insurance business is the easiest to be in. No kidding. So this nurse who just retired as a nurse… Here in Sacramento, she's originally from New York. I mean, originally from Trinidad, but lived and worked in New York, and now she was out, you know, working in California. She said, "Rick, I need to talk to you. I have a bad story to tell you." And I said, "What?" Her name is Barbara. So, hey, Barbara, if you're listening now or in the future, um, uh, we we are going to. Uh, Oh sorry sorry I had a little I, had a, I got a text just now, so Barbara, if you're listening now or in the future you you will enjoy this story so Barbara came up to me and she said, um, Rick, I started with this company, this insurance marketing organization. I had just retired from the nursing industry. So this lady was a nurse, you know making six figures, so she invited a lot of her nurse colleagues to a insurance." A uh, sort of presentation, a seminar put on by the local insurance agency owner, and she had about 20 nurses in this, me- in this meeting. They were all her guests, and the insurance owner, he didn't have any sales system training, so what he did was do the same type of uh, presentation as he would his agents, training his agents, which was not effective… So to make a long story short, these nurses were interested in finding about some alternative retirement planning options. And if Barbara would have closed half of these nurses, 10, she probably would have made $80,000 from that one meeting in commissions. If just half would have said yes because they they had rollovers, they they had money to – you know, to participate in some of these uh, life insurance programs, but not one person became a client. And Barbara was crushed. And this one disappointing seminar that she had with some of her closest colleagues just totally changed how she looked at the life insurance business. And so afterwards, she told me, she said, Rick, if the owner would have had your training, and I knew the owner. But I did not know the owner at the time. She had these uh, this, this seminar training, or this seminar with with her nurses. She said, "Rick, if the owner would have had your training, she could have easily made eighty thousand dollars from that one seminar." So she was crushed. So the point I want to make with the insurance business is, you know, you know, the for for managers and owners, if you have these, you know, if you have fifty agents, if you have one hundred agents. If you have one thousand or more agents, a lot of times there's, there's only like five to ten percent who are producing on a regular basis. That means there are you know eighty 90 percent of the agents are just sitting there idle. they're not productive they're not making any money themselves, and they're not making the owners and the managers any money. So it would be wise to look at how can you make. … your life insurance agents more productive. Okay, so let's move on to the real estate industry, then I'll close out with attorney and CPA practices. Now, the real estate industry, <sighs> the real estate industry is a mess, and it's, re- and it's kind of similar to the life insurance industry except that the real estate industry has a lot of glitz and glamour to it uh people watch these shows these uh real estate shows these HT, HG, HGTV shows these uh uh investor real estate investment shows how they go in and they they rehab these houses and uh they may make $80,000 on one transaction and uh you know so the real estate industry is interesting because it's a glitz and glamour it's a a type of um of uh, in- industry where if you look great, if you're like a sexy guy, you know, or, or attractive guy, sexy woman, you know, it's it's a pull to the industry. Even though, you know, looks and, and all that all those other, you know, uh, outward attributes have nothing to do with being successful. People believe, "Oh, I'm a I'm a great-looking guy. I'm a sexy woman. You know, I I'm I'm tall. I'm 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 I have a tan. I look like an actor." Therefore, I should be in real estate okay now there's nothing wrong with looking great and and thinking that you look great and you know all that kind of stuff but it has no direct uh, propo- a connection to being successful in real estate so just like insurance agents, the real estate agents they take an exam and they pass the exam and uh, you know there are no barriers to becoming a real estate agent other than passing the exam and, and passing the background check. So here in California, there are over 200,000 agents, plus or minus you know, 10%, maybe as low as 180, maybe as high as 220. People don't know this, but only one out of six uh, real estate agents close on a regular basis. And it's not because – You know, the five out of six don't want to sell. About 30,000 properties close every month, close escrow in California. So if you got 30,000 escrows closing and you have 200,000 agents, so that's like 30 divided by 200,000 or uh, 3 divided by 20. So you can see what those numbers are. That's like 12, 15%.  … of agents that are only closing on a regular basis, and that closing could take place sometimes in two weeks, which is rare, or the average of six weeks or eight weeks, which is the standard. So you can see that there are a ton of agents that are not making money, and a lot of times it's not because maybe they're not as productive. It's because only 30,000 escrows close every month in California. So I recall… When I was uh, you know um, launching three two one, I had a chance to meet with a broker, and the broker was real reluctant to have me talk to his agents and I'm like, "Dude, why? why are you reluctant for me to t-? i didn't ask him that, but I, I got that feedback, and I said, "You know two hours with, with your agents could help them make you know make more money Now the thing about real estate Forget about the lunch and learns. I mean, that's stuff that you will learn anyway. Forget about you know the MLS training. I'm not talking about that. Those are standard things that every agent will learn over time, and those things are so repetitive. The biggest thing for real estate agents is that they need to learn how to contact and prospect. Contacting and prospecting is at least 75% of the total sales activity. For the real estate industry, you know, it's it's not, you know, the open houses. It's not driving people around to look at houses. That's the 25%. So 75% of real estate activity should be contacting and prospecting, but most realtors don't do that, and uh, they don't do that is because their leadership team, mainly the brokers, most of the brokers have never had any sales system training. So if the brokers have never had any sales system training, that means they can only uh, communicate what they have learned themselves. And if they have never had sales system training, that means they're not going to deliver sales system training to their, to their realtors. So you have a ton of realtors that show up for these lunch and learns you know, once a week, and they, they, they drive to the, to the meeting, and they, and they sit together, and they, they mix and mingle… And maybe one person may have a, a escrow, something in escrow. Maybe a couple of people have something in escrow, but the majority just look great and talk, you know, about oh yeah, I'm working on this and that, and but they're not really working on something. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to go there, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you the experiences. So I did meet with this broker, and the and the broker reluctantly said, okay. You can train the agents, and I think what it was, I had given them access to a builder. So it was almost like prid, uh, quid pro quo. <laughs> you let me train your agents, and in return, I'll connect you with this builder that I met. And uh, so to, you know, the broker paid me $1,000. I met with his agents, about six agents, for about two hours. So I'm sitting with the agents out at this, uh, this uh, new home development – developers uh, – Location and the developer gave me access to this room. So I'm talking to these agents and I'm telling them that you have to contact and prospect. And most of them were like, What is that? They had never heard of contacting and prospecting. And I kid you not, this is like 2014, 2015, and they had not. Ever heard those words, contacting and prospecting. Now, maybe they, they knew what prospecting was, but they didn't know what it meant in terms of them going out to find clients. Most of the agents – why? I mean most of the agents were into this thing called buying leads, which is the worst thing that has ever happened to the real estate industry. Okay, I have a good I have a, a friend down in Miami, Florida, a Brazilian native. She was spending two thousand dollars per month to buy leads to sell real estate in one of the hottest markets in the US, South Beach, you know, South Florida. Um uh, uh what's that community, uh not Kendall, but um Biscayne Biscayne Boulevard, you know, Biscayne Avenue, downtown, the new Uh, What they call the new Central Park of South – that looks like New York City, the Central Park of Miami that's booming. She was paying $2,000 per month for leads, and when she got a lead, she hoped that the lead didn't call at 4 a.m. Miami time. So what she did, not only did she buy leads, she hired someone to take the calls when she was unavailable to take the call because… What she said is that if she didn't take the call, the call would go to someone else. Now, how ridiculous is that to buy leads in a hot real estate market? I mean if you are out and about in any big city like Miami, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Seattle, Dallas, Minneapolis – I think Minneapolis is pretty big. okay Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. Why do people have to buy stinking leads? just talk to people in your local circle when you're out and you know you know buying something at the Starbucks or at the at the dry cleaners at the park at the soccer game at the baseball game at youth events just talk to people but agents have never learned how to do that is because their brokers have never provided that type of training so the brokers have said okay uh, as soon as now new agents since you're on board now Here's what you need to do. You need to get some leads. Now, lead, let me tell you what a lead is. Before, when I was in corporate America, a lead meant something that a police detective, uh, you know, the word a police detective used when they're looking for uh, someone to solve a crime. So, you remember those police shows and the phone would ring and the police officer, the, the police officer would say, We got a lead. That's what I thought a lead was you know a, a cop looking for someone to help them solve a crime but the word lead has uh, morphed into uh, someone who has expressed some type of curiosity and interest in buying a house now let me just tell you this before i move on to the to attorney and cpa law firms and i'll combine those two some leads are fraudulent some leads are fraudulent There's – I think there was a lawsuit recently, and people can research this because I'm not out there trying to spread rumors. You can research it yourself. There's a company that that was actually in court. I'm not sure what the settlement was, but there was a court case where uh, some of these leads that real estate agents were buying were fraudulent. Some of the phone numbers were fraudulent. The names were fraudulent. The email addresses were fraudulent, meaning – not fraudulent, meaning that they didn't exist – Fraudulent meaning that when agents called the numbers, it just went straight to voicemail. When, e- when agents uh, sent the email, it just went to the email, and sometimes the emails will come back. Uh, Thanks. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Uh, I got your email. Or the agent would get a text. I'm at work right now. I can't answer your phone call. Can you send me – can you email me the some information on the property? Guess what? The real estate agent would get giddy. They would go, "Great! I made a connection with someone who wants to buy." Yes, the re- the real estate agent is is pounding his or her chest. They're high fiving people in the office, and they're like, "Yeah, I made connection. I made a connection with someone who wants to buy. I'm so excited." And then three days later, they're waiting for that person that they think they made a connection with to get back with them. So they're they're calling they're calling that number. And they're getting voicemails all the time. And here's a strange thing about it. They're calling the voicemail. There's no name on the voicemail. Okay, I know a person who called about 50 of these leads. Only one person had their name on a voicemail. The other 49, there was no voicemail. How strange is that for someone to have a phone number and not even have, hi, this is Joe… Uh, sorry, I can't take your phone call right now. Please leave me a message. No, the voicemails are like, were like, hi. You, no, it wasn't well, even hi. It was you have reached the automated message. You have dialed 516-387-1745, which is our guest call-in number. It's not a number that belongs to someone. It's our guest call-in number, 516-387-1745, and if you do want to call in, we do have about 15 minutes left on the show. So those voicemails voicemails would just have the number. So the agent would say, hi, this is Pauline. Just getting back to you, just trying to find out if you're interested in this property uh, that you expressed some interest in, and please give me a call. Okay, that's day three. Day five, hey, this is Pauline just catching up with you again, just calling to find out. Uh, just want to see if we can meet and uh, get you started with this property. A week later, two weeks now… Hey, uh, just uh, touching base. I haven't heard from you, and I would love to see if you want to get this property. So all of a sudden, Pauline would get this text about two weeks later from that number. The text would read, you know, I I was thinking about it. I think I need to wait about six months. I'm really not ready to buy, and um, I appreciate your your interest, and please touch base with me in about three to six months. Okay. You can see how the excitement it has it has deflated with Pauline. Pauline is like, man, I was close to doing a deal, and 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 the buyer said call him back in six months or three to six months. So Pauline is like, okay, well, well, at least I think I might have a contact in three months. And then Pauline buys another lead or buy, or gets another call. And the same damn thing happens over and over again, and that was the case of this lawsuit. So I'm just letting people know there are some things happening out there with lead generation, and it's not great, and you know, real estate brokers and office managers should really uh, invest in some programs to teach the real estate agent how to prospect because… Like I mentioned, those 30,000 escrows that are closing in California out of 200,000 agents, You know, if agents knew how to contact and prospect, they can control their own destiny. See, before leads, that's what real estate agents did. Now, I know they went to some of these schools like Mike Ferry out there in Las Vegas, and they, they had some, some traditional um, you know, mailing, uh, you know, mailers mailing to people's homes, or they did door knocking… Those things still work, and you know agents should continue to, to do those things, but agents need to contact and prospect because if agents contact and prospect, let's say 30 people per month, just people out in their cities, people in Jersey, people in Philly, people out in Boise, Idaho or Bellevue, Washington, just contact 30 people. Out of those 30 people, somebody is buying or selling or somebody… Out of those 30 people, they know someone who's buying and selling. And 321 has a sales system program for real estate agents to help them learn how to contact and prospect. So, again, uh, when I say poor sales leadership, I'm not talking about poor in terms of uh, any personal uh, attribute of the broker or, or sales manager. I'm talking about poor in terms of their effectiveness and leading their teams. And lastly, for real estate, I did meet with a big broker here in Sacramento that had about twenty thousand agents. And uh, the broker was nice enough to give me an appointment. And I was telling the broker what I what I wanted to do and what what I proposed in terms of uh, sales system training. And the broker, you know, politely told me no, but then he added something that I will, will never forget. He said, Rick, I make $800,000 per year as a broker. He said – and this is how I know about the 15%. He goes, I only need 15% of my agents to sell on a regular basis. And if those brokers – if those agents sell, those 15% of agents sell on a regular basis along with the other agents who are paying their office fees and desk fees… I made eight hundred thousand dollars per month, and then he added, since he's been a broker, one out of seven agents in his area will work for his company. So basically, what he was saying was that, you know, in, in a, let's say Bob, Bob is going to work for this broker for for eighteen months. Then Bob is going to work for this broker in eighteen months, and then Bob is going to work for this broker for six months. So this broker that had twenty thousand agents was was basically telling me. That every agent in this in his area will work for him, which means he's gonna collect office fees from a whole bunch of people without maybe a lot of them not being successful in real estate. And that's a God honest truth. You know, you know, if he's making eight hundred thousand dollars a year and that's what he's doing, he has no motivation. I think well I think he should have some motivation, but that's just me. But he saw no motivation to help any agent do better. Why spend money if fifteen percent of his agents are turning in business on a regular basis? In other words, he was saying, I don't care if they never learn how to sell. I'm making eight hundred thousand dollars a year as a real estate broker. So there you go. So let's talk about CPA firms and attorney law firms at the end at the end of this broadcast. Now, uh, CPA firms and, and, and independent law firms, I mean they have a, a different situation. Uh, their situation is their credentials, their law degrees, their, uh, the way that they became CPAs uh, require that they spend a lot of time with uh, clients to do the business. Uh, CPAs may only have 50% of their time to go out and prospect for new business, lawyers may only have 30 to 40 percent of their time to prospect for new business because lawyers may have to spend 70 percent of their time in court uh, working on cases. CPAs may have to spend 50 percent of their time with their clients doing the books, looking at you know files, looking at uh, making sure everything's correct uh, with the uh, quarterly filings and and, and state taxes and, and federal taxes and all that kind of stuff. So the CPA and law practice have a different situation. Uh, Typically, with the independent CPA and law firm, what we have found is that there might be one or two partners uh, in the law firm or the CPA practice, or sometimes it's just one lawyer who's a lawyer and has like an administrative assistant or sometimes maybe a legal clerk uh, working in the office that's also serving as the office manager… And and their thing is that I mean you know their thing is that can can I say they have poor sales sales leadership, not in terms of you know helping other attorneys perform better, but personally their their own you know production and performance they could use a sales system. Lawyers they have this this thing where. They're highly highly educated. They passed the bar, which is an amazing accomplishment because I've heard that that bar exam is tough, and I I know a few attorneys in California who say that that bar exam is tough, and some have not passed that bar exam two or three times. So that thing must be really tough, but attorney law firms, the independent lawyer, the independent certified public accountant can increase their productivity and performance… So when I use the words productivity and performance, let me define what that is in these last eight minutes. Production means is the attorney or the CPA or even the life insurance agent or the realtor, are they connecting with enough people? When I say connecting, I don't mean connecting digitally. I'm talking about face-to-face or telephone call connections. So if if the lawyer or CPA is out and about… Are they connecting with people? Are they meeting people? Are they making eye contact with people? Are they introducing themselves as the attorney or the CPA in their community outside of their office because that works? 321 has a sales system for training for lawyers and CPAs. Lawyers have a tremendous opportunity. Uh, People in the public are in awe of meeting a lawyer. But lawyers don't seem to know that. If I were an attorney and I was out and about just doing shopping or just you know, in between appointments or just leaving court, I would meet people in public, and I would say, hi, my name is Rick. I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm a personal injury attorney. I'm an estate planning attorney. I'm a criminal defense attorney. Here's my card. What's your name? People would be in awe when that happens. But again, attorneys don't know that, CPAs don't know that, and if you and if you talk about personal injury attorneys, they have a great opportunity to add a bunch of uh, potential new clients. Now, personal injury uh, lawyers, uh, you know, dog bites, um, fall, slips, things like that. You know, there's a there's a saying that I came up with, and I haven't heard anybody use this saying, so I'm, I'm gonna claim it's mine until I hear differently. People do not need an attorney until they need an attorney. I'll we'll repeat that. People do not need an attorney until they need an attorney. So that means an attorney can't just meet someone all of a sudden. Now, we can't, now let's say if that person just had an accident just now. Or a couple of days ago, gold mine for the attorney. You can meet that person. You know what? You know, Ralph, I was looking for an attorney. I'm glad you introduced myself. Okay, that's going to be kind of rare to meet a person who just had a, a problem and has a legal need right away. But in the meantime, that attorney can meet 100 people per month, and over time, that pipeline… What is a pipeline? A pipeline is when you have stacked the front of the pipeline, the contacting part of the pipeline so high with people that the force of that, of that number of people that the attorney has spoken with, that the CPA has spoken with, that the insurance agent has spoken with, that the real estate agent has spoken with will start to force people through that pipeline, meaning for the attorney… You know that person has met 300 people over three months. Has passed out their business card. Maybe the the attorney has added people to his or her email list. And now, 90 days from now, people are calling. Hey, Ralph, I met you at Panera Bread. Ralph, I met you at the post office. You know what? I just unfortunately ran into a legal situation. I I was wondering. If I can come to your office. Or, Ralph, I met you on the soccer field. I met you at the uh, at the bar, and uh, and I have a friend. My friend just had a legal case, a legal incident, and I don't have a legal incident, but my friend just had one, and I had your card. Can you call my friend, or can I have my friend call you? See, that's what CPAs and attorneys need to do. All they need to do is just talk to people. Just start start talking to, you know, 15 people a week, 20 people a week, 25 people a week, just having normal conversation. Hi, my name is Ralph. I'm a criminal defense attorney. In fact, I did refer a case to a lawyer I met, a criminal defense lawyer, because my friend did have a, a, her son was involved in a legal matter. And I referred this case to a, to a guy I knew who was an attorney, and uh, that attorney, you know, he was able to help my friend's son uh, reduce the severity of that legal case to something much more reasonable for the family. And I'm not sure how much he made, but I think at least he made twenty thousand dollars at least because of the case. So I'm telling white collar small business owners that. Um, poor sales leadership, it can be in the form of the the broker, the insurance broker, the real estate broker, the sales manager, not helping their agents perform better and produce better, and or no, I I knew I didn't even give you the the, the definitions. Production, the definition of production is having a lot of contacts, and hopefully those contacts will, will move through the system and you can close. The definition of sales performance.  … is how high is your closing ratio once you sit down with someone? So you have sales productivity and sales performance. I apologize for skipping over the second definition. I'm not using any notes for this show. Uh, This is something I don't need to use notes because I've had so many experiences myself. I've helped so many clients overcome their sales sales production and sales performance challenges… I can just talk off the cuff. And I haven't even talked about the sales system. <laughs> so the sales system training and business development uh, services that 321 provides, the sales system training is a six-hour online course, uh, one-and-a-half, two hours per session, the, or it can be a two-day face-to-face uh, training, and we help uh, small business owners learn about sales systems. Of course, the six-hour session or the two-day live session will not transform a white-collar sales professional into a pro in six hours or two-day live session, but it will create the background. It it will build the foundation of what we can do next. So 321 offers that six-hour webinar sales system training or two-day live training. Then we have coaching services To help you implement it, or you can hire us as business development specialists, and we will do the contacting and the prospecting and help you learn how to close using the prospect interview form. Please listen to March 2nd's show toward the end to learn about the prospect interview form. Uh, If you want to learn more about the 321 sales system or the business, Development services that we offer at 321-BizDev, LLC, please do not hesitate to call us at 833-321-3212. If you are an international business owner and you would like to talk to us about helping your small business, your agents, your law firm, your accounting practice in your country, please reach us on WhatsApp at Country Code one 415 515 60. Please visit our website at 321bizdev.com/services and we have a questionnaire for 6 of the industries that we support and that questionnaire will give us some insight on your business. And I would also like to promote uh, Carla Sasser CPA Services in Los Angeles. She's a sponsor for today's show and her image uh, will pop up as you listen. To the show. So, anyway, thank you for listening to today's show Why Poor Sales Leadership Stresses Out Salespeople. My name is Rick Napier, CEO, 321 BizDev LLC. Make it a great day, and thanks for listening to today's show.